Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Chevere Means Cool. Today's episode is with Lauren, who is the founder of Labouk, one of my personal favorite footwear brands. So I'm really excited to get to learn a little bit more about the story behind this brand. Labouk is basically the opposite of minimalist, which is probably why I love the shoe so much. Um, but Lauren built an incredible DTC brand based in LA and made in Italy by a family-run manufacturers who have been making shoes for generations. So you really can see the detail in every shoe. Every shoe is made by hand with care and makes all the difference. So in this episode, we'll dive deeper into how Lauren decided to take the leap and start her own brand, what this looked like, and what she has in mind for the future of Lebouk. Hope you love the episode. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for, for doing this, for taking the time to chat. Yeah, of course. Um, you're in LA, right? So you're a little behind. In... Yeah. Well, actually, I'm currently in Las Vegas. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's I, uh, fun. I a, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I made a pandemic move out here in June because um, I have family here. Oh, that's and nice. uh, have been here ever since. We kind of, I didn't come with any sort of plan to stay yeah. for a long time, <laughs> but I'm still here and I'm not sure when I'm going back still. But Oh um, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, enjoying family time. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, well, yeah. um, I'm very excited to talk to you. Um, I, I have been obviously a huge fan for like so long, but I remember when you guys had like a pop-up in New York next to like Morgan's ice cream. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. I, I went there and I bought my first little like loafers and I was obsessed ever since. Aww. <laughs> so this is like really exciting for me. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to, to chat. Yeah. Um, I would love for you to kind of just give a little bit of an introduction of like the brand and like how kind of like you started it and like the story behind it, I guess. Sure. Um, so Labouk has been since October of 2018. So about okay. two and a half years now. Um, I, you know, I've been a shoe designer for about 15 years. Um, I, my career at Rag and Bone in New York, where oh, cool. I was the director of footwear there Very and cool. accessories as well. Um, and I, I basically like learned how to design shoes on the job there. Mm -hmm. um, they, I was originally a ready to wear designer. That's what I went to school for. Got it. And uh, when they started doing shoes, I was super excited and really eager. And so they let me kind of design their first collection. Wow. And I loved it. And uh, yeah, it, it was it was a great situation because they brought somebody on who had a lot of factory expertise and production expertise. Mm -hmm. And so I learned a lot from him um, while also getting to design and kind of try things out. And then they, you know, I, I was sent to factories uh, mostly in the beginning, it was Italy and China. Mm -hmm. And I learned from the, the, you know, people working inside the factory, how to make the shoes, how everything was put together, learned about leathers and materials and all of that, like basically just on the job, actually That's crazy. making shoes. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, it was it's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of like the best way to learn, but also like a very kind of like intense process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, it was amazing. I mean, I, and even, I think that like, 
you learn so much more on the job than even in school. You know, I, I went oh, to Parsons and studied fashion design for four years and got a bachelor's in it. But like, I really didn't learn how it actually works in the real world until I got my first job. Right. So, you know, I think um, it's it's the right way to learn. And it's obviously the stakes are a lot higher uh, when you're actually producing things and buying them and trying to sell them and seeing how mm -hmm. real people wear them, et cetera. But it was, a you know, that was a really great learning experience. And, you know, the footwear at Rag and Bone ended up becoming a pretty big part of their business. Yeah. And so eventually I I switched over um, and, and walked away from ready to wear and, and really focused on shoes and accessories, all the leather goods. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so anyway, that's a bit of a, my career before. Le yeah, Book. that's really cool. And uh, yeah, so I stayed there for 10 years. Wow. And um and I left in, in the late 2016. And I basically at that time, I had my, my son and I, you know, I was in this moment where all of a sudden I wasn't working my full-time job. I had a baby, my mm -hmm. husband was a freelancer. So we were really like kind of not tied down anywhere. Um, and that's when we decided why not try moving to LA and see what it's oh, like. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we left New York, um, like early 2017 when my son was three and a half months old Wow! and um I it was kind of that time you know I always knew that I wanted to start a brand I just never really knew how mm -hmm. or what it was going to be and I think it was like when I had that that moment to take a step back from the fashion world and like my you know working full-time right um that I, I got a bit of an outside perspective and really saw you know, how I wanted to start my own, my own brand and business. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was looking a lot at these other direct to consumer brands out there, which uh, to me, didn't really have so much of the sort of designer or, you know, fashion led perspective. It was more about like, uh, like practicality. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was practicality. And it was like, um, you know, a little bit more generic, just like, good products for everybody kind of thing. Right. But like, I really felt like there was a, a, a whole space missing in like the contemporary for like the contemporary fashion customer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, something that would actually speak to me and my peers, but that was like taking advantage of this direct to consumer model and using really good production practices and quality. Um, and so that that's kind of like where I started. Um, thinking about the product and where I wanted to make it and how I wanted to sell it. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, obviously I knew that it, things are heading online and e-commerce was a lot more important. So that was my main focus um, yeah. going into it. Yeah. That's crazy. So, it's so, it's so interesting because I hadn't thought of it in that way that like most direct consumer brands weren't kind of like fashion forward. I don't know. That's actually really cool that you went that way. Yeah. I mean, I, cause I was just, I was seeing like a lot of these brands that were, you know, or not a lot, but there were a few players in there that were obviously quite big, like Everlane or Mjemi or, you know, mm -hmm. I, that, that were making product in Italy. Um, but when I looked at the shoes themselves, I was like, this isn't really like, you, you know, when exciting. you're buying this product, <laughs> it's not really exciting. You're not really like getting what you could be getting from like an Italian made designer product. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. And so that's kind of, that's where I, 
that was sort of the impetus where I started Mm -hmm. um, and then built off of that. That's amazing. And so what was like kind of like the production process or I guess you've always I mean, after those 10 years, you were kind of like really amazing at the design. But then was it kind of like a challenge to find the right um, production process or like supplier of the materials and all of that? Well, I mean, I I used a lot of the people that I, you know, I work with a lot of the same people that I worked with while I was at Rag and Bone. Um, And and when I started at Rag and Bone, it was such a tiny company that like, there was no, you know, there was no product development team. There was no leather sourcing team. There was no production people. So like it was doing everything anyway. It was really very much like a startup. Mm-hmm. Um, that's crazy you know, it, there were like <laughs> when I when I was the the fourth employee at Rag and Bone so it was oh like God. a very very tiny company when I wow started. I mean it still is like such a cool brand so it's kind of cool that you saw it from the very very beginning yeah yeah I saw it go you know when I left there were 350 employees so it was like wow. a very very different company yeah <laughs> um but anyway that being said I mean I was only bringing that up because you know it was super hands-on um right. and so I was also you know I was doing the design but I was also handling a lot of the production which put me in a good position when I left because I was you know I had really close relationships with factories and tanneries and and mm-hmm. that part was relatively easy though I did have to convince the factory to work with me um, just because you know for them it's a risk to take on um a, a like an unlaunched brand with no mm-hmm. history they're like we're going to put time into developing these shoes for you are you actually going to be able to sell them and be yeah. able to like produce quantities that that keep us happy so totally um I had to sort of pitch it to them, even though I knew them quite well. And, and they took <laughs> they took probably like eight to 10 days to, to answer me. And that was like kind of a- You were like on the yeah, edge I of was seat. like biting my nails. <laughs> yeah, like what are they gonna say? Because um, the factory that I do work with is, is one that I had, you know, I knew that that was the factory I wanted to work with when I launched this brand, just because they're, they, they have such good finishing quality. They're really organized and um, they mm-hmm. care a lot about what they do. Yeah. And I just so knew important. that they were like the right partners to make this product. Um, yeah. So anyway, that, you know, I had to set up that, that relationship and convince them that I was worth investing their time into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I have learned a lot about like the shipping and logistics part of it, that's something I didn't do before. Yeah. Um, like actually getting the shoes from Italy to America. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's all kind of like with every step of the way of building this business, you kind of, you have a little bit of a mountain to climb. You have to figure out one one new thing and you, you kind of chip away at it and you figure it out and you're like, okay, that's done. Now I'm going to try to figure out this next thing. It's just like a step-by-step yeah uh process um, yeah what do you think it comes was, together yeah totally what do you think was kind of like one of the biggest challenges I don't know if, I mean you were also like a, a new mom so that must have been difficult too yeah yeah I mean that was certainly I mean looking back on it it was it's not something that like I was struggling with at the time but it was a lot to to balance and manage um mm-hmm. you know I uh so I really, I really started developing the samples and like getting the biz- the brand together in early 2018, like January. Okay. And uh, 
we decided to go to Italy as a family, my husband and I and our our son, who was then like 14 months old. We went to Italy for five weeks, basically, to, uh, you know, work with the factories, sort out our product or like, you know, packaging, all that kind of stuff. And it was like a really whirlwind trip with a toddler or like not even, you know, like he had just started walking, but he's not talking yet. He's still like, you know, so much a baby. (laughs) Um, And so that was like quite an adventure. Um, You know, it was bringing him to the factories with me and in the the carrier and <laughs> yeah. you just kind of like manage going through things um like as you have to right like yeah you know. totally that's amazing <laughs> I love that <laughs> um so I the one thing I mean I, I like a lot of things obviously about Le Book, but one of the things that I love is that it's very kind of like not your typical take on a traditional quote-unquote style so like for example the loafer is like Obviously, loafers are very popular, but yours are very unique and kind of like not the norm in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that because I, I love playing around with brands that are like that. But I'm wondering like what kind of like inspired you to do it like that? If you had like a specific um, like audience in mind when creating this this kind of shoes. I mean, I think a lot of my design process just starts from thinking about myself yeah (laughs) and like what I want to wear I mean I do a ton of vintage research uh used to be going to vintage stores and looking at like all different kinds of silhouettes and shoes and I mean now I spend a ton of time on Etsy and Depop just like looking at like every single kind of shoe I can or you know sometimes it's more specific I mean when I was designing the kitty loafer um which is like you know, our main loafer style. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at, you know, every kind of mostly 90s square toe loafers. Um, so cool. And, and really thinking about like how I wanted this silhouette to be, because obviously a loafer is like, a, you know, such a classic style. Like how do you do it in a way that's a little bit different, that has its own mm-hmm. perspective, but that also will speak to people in a way that like it feels recognizable and approachable. And like they think, you know, they can bring it into their wardrobe without feeling like an alien to themselves. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's always about finding that that balance of like pushing it to a little bit of a, a new territory while also, you know, I think that it is that sort of like recognition that you have to like turn on a little light bulb in somebody's head that's like, oh, you know, like this is kind of a fun new way to do this yeah um which can be hard so like yeah I mean I I do like when I design any shoe there will probably be like a hundred different sketch variations of that one shoe before I'm Mm -hmm. like okay this is this is really how I want it to be and you know Mm -hmm. I I make a couple proto rounds with my factory like oh maybe I'll get one proto and I'm like the proportions aren't quite right. I need to like add a little bit more flair to the heel or add a little bit, you know, make the a little chunkier, whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's definitely a, a process of like whittling into the, the finished product. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so I you obviously were obviously in the in the fashion industry for for years. So when you started your own I mean I, I'm gonna say different because it is very kind of like unique were you kind of nervous about what that was gonna 
like how that was gonna fit in the current fashion industry or like it's very saturated so that's why I'm asking because I really love when when I mean that's why I made this podcast to kind of like celebrate like independent designers um, Mm -hmm. because there's so many cool ones and I feel like it, it must be really hard to try to I don't know if stand out is the right word but even just like be a part of an industry that's quite saturated yeah yeah it's definitely I mean I think um when I first launched the brand I had more of an idea that we were going to be um a line of classics and like you Mm -hmm. know the the classic shoes that every woman needs in her wardrobe and so I just was like filling in these categories more than like thinking about differentiating ourselves which I I, Mm -hmm. you know now that whole perspective for me has changed and I'm thinking more about, uh, you know, I think we realized after we launched that like we needed to do more to differentiate our brand. Yeah. Um, You know, I was like, oh, we'll just have like the classic black boot, which is great to have. And we always need that. But that's not necessarily what's going to get you noticed. Totally. Um, And so, you know, we spent a lot of time thinking about um, not only making the product unique, but also like, okay, so we've got this great collection. Now, how are we going to shoot it so that, you know, mm-hmm. it really like gets noticed? I mean, obviously Instagram is like where we find a lot of our customers. So we're thinking a lot about like how, you know, if we have a shoe that's like um, a marigold color, what kind of background is really going to make that pop and like stand mm-hmm. out to somebody when they're like scrolling through the feed? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but and it also comes down to just like uh-huh. styling and shooting and making it look really aspirational and fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then, yeah, how we communicate that's, awesome. that's super important. Yeah, and I think you guys do a really good job of making it feel like it's more than just about the shoe like obviously what you're saying about how it's photographed and everything does revolve around the shoe but I even like I I reached out because I also really loved how much emphasis you put in like the manufacturing process and like the Mm -hmm. the fact that it's like a I think it's I mean correct me if I'm wrong like a family-owned factory and like every like it's kind of like everything's very delicately made Mm -hmm. um so I thought that was really cool and I, I really thought thought it was special that you like show people like who is behind making the the shoes yeah yeah I mean that's super important I think and I you know something sometimes I'm not sure if it resonates with people so I'm glad that you say that just because you know Mm -hmm. I care so much about that (laughs) like that's you know the the people that are making it it's like our most important relationship um and so I want to be able to to share that story because you know that's that's where the product comes comes from Mm -hmm. yeah I mean that I love that because it's I feel like now as consumers we have to be very kind of picky in a way with who we choose to to support and it's it's important to to learn the stories behind the brands we choose to support so I really love that about the book (laughs) thanks um yeah so I was wondering if there were any kind of like lessons um or advice that you could share when it comes to like creating something kind of from scratch and like I mean obviously there's a lot of things that could potentially go or turn out to be very different that you expected but if there were any kind of like moments that you remember since starting that kind of like changed the way you continue to build the business 
Um, I mean, there's definitely been some different phases. I think that like something that's helped us a lot along the way is just being really nimble. And, um, you know, of course, everybody went through challenges when this the pandemic began, right? Like, yeah, all of a sudden, everything was shifting. Um, and I was really grateful that we were in a position where, you know, I, our company is is still small. So we didn't have like, a big staff to to worry about managing, but we also were able to like pivot what we were doing and how we were marketing and um, mm -hmm. kind of shift some production um, as needed. Um, and, and so like, I guess like staying flexible and being able to like, you know, shift on a moment's notice is really important. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I think it's just like, keeping your eyes open to your customer and what they're responding to and being able to, again, like shift when, when you feel it's necessary um, to, to make sure that you're like listening to what's going on and what, what people are wanting from your brand. I mean, obviously in mm -hmm. a certain respect, you need to be able to, people are wanting you to tell them what to like in a certain that's way. That's true. And that's a hard um, thing. <laughs> yeah. So you have to balance that of like listening to what the customer's needs are, but also um, coming out with a strong voice and uh, giving your perspective. Mm -hmm. Like staying true to your brand, I guess. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Um, cool. Um, are there any like I mean, you, you said you moved to LA when you started it, but do you kind of like identify the, like is the brand more of like a New York brand or what would you, because I, I like lived in LA for a while and I, I obviously heard of a book when I moved here, like to New York. Yeah. So I'm curious. <laughs> It's funny. I think, um, I, I think Labouk is an, like a sort of urban brand. I don't know if urban is the right word, but it's like our, our core customer is in our, is, is in like uh, the, major city centers, um, mm -hmm. mostly in the US, but also internationally. Um, and our, our biggest customer base is in New York. Um, so yeah. I think we do speak to a new New York customer uh, more than any other city. And maybe that just comes from like my own personal style sense and, and where I've come from as a designer. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, in a, a certain way, like I kind of want to, um, I think that people are obviously this year, especially like all over the place and totally. your, your place means a lot less now than it did a year ago That's or five true. years ago. Um, and so in a way I kind of just want to be like a brand that exists everywhere for everybody. Um, yeah. It's hard to <laughs> say like, you know, I, I think, I think people want to know like, Oh, is it an LA based brand or a New York based brand? Um, and so I, oh, we've thought a lot about like what it means to, for a brand to have a place, you know, and, and especially because I've been living um, in Las Vegas, Nevada for the last, I don't know, eight months or so. Yeah. What does that mean for, what does that mean for my brand? Like, are we a Las Vegas based brand now? Like it right. doesn't really change how I design or what I want to design necessarily. Mm -hmm. um though I did draw some inspiration from my time here for our upcoming spring collection <laughs> that's awesome um, I was gonna ask <laughs> yeah uh you'll you'll see some of that inspiration in our in our lookbook shoot which we're gonna start posting in March um oh so exciting yeah but I yeah I don't know I mean it's hard to say yeah I don't think there is like a certain 
place that we have to really adhere ourselves to, especially now. Totally. I agree. That's awesome. So, I mean, you mentioned the spring collection. Is there anything like that you would love to do in the future with the book in terms of like maybe not shoes or do you kind of want it to stick to shoes all, all the time? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to start building out the collection into some more categories, though right now our, our focus continues to be in shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've dabbled a little bit in a few other things, and I think we just didn't, we don't, haven't had the sort of marketing support to really like launch a full new category yet. Um, yeah. And people know us for shoes now, um, though, you know, who knows for the future. We are bringing in some socks to our site this oh my gosh you know Uh, that like the socks that I got when I bought my loafers at that pop-up are still my favorite socks oh really (laughs) I wear them all the time they're so cozy and they're the perfect length they're amazing I'm so glad you said that I love that (laughs) yeah no they're they're so good (laughs) so I'm very excited to hear that there'll be some opportunities to get more (laughs) yeah yeah we're um well, this, this spring, we're partnering with Darner socks, um, which are like these really beautiful mesh socks um, for, because it's Ooh, like more spring focused. Um, mm-hmm. And we've shot with their socks several times, actually. Um, and we constantly get DMs and comments like, where can I get these socks? <laughs> so um, this season, we're going to we're going to be offering some of those on our site. And then I'm also working on developing a, an Italian made sock collection, which will hopefully I'm you know, not guaranteeing anything, but hopefully we'll we'll be ready for this fall. That's so exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, is there a specific reason why you chose like to work with Italy for the manufacturing or is that just given your experience at Rag and Bone? Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I guess like I, it was mostly about the factory itself, this one mm-hmm. particular factory that I wanted to work with and the sort of quality that I wanted to have um, the product finished with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, you can get shoes made all over the world and like with the right factories fantastic you know finished yeah high quality product um but you know I think it was also it it worked with how I wanted to message the brand and I wanted to be able to you know have this sort of family-run factory as part of our story that's amazing cool um yeah well this is a bit of a a hard question but um how do you think like level plays into like the changes that the fashion industry is going through so like I know there's like a huge push for like sustainability and um like more kind of like one-of-a-kind brands Mm -hmm. um I'm wondering if you've thought about that yeah I mean well I guess you could say that we're sustainable in our own way I mean obviously there's lots of push to sustainable can mean so many different things right yeah, like, no, totally. It can be, you know, environmental su- sustainability, or it can mean like producing in small runs and working mm-hmm. with um, people that have fair wages for their for their employees. Um, yeah, it, you know, it, it, so it, it's a bit really broad term, but I think that you know mm-hmm. the way that we produce our shoes, like not trying not to overproduce anything, and make, you know, working yeah. with tanneries that. Um, use like 
you know, more environmentally friendly tanning practices for their leather. Um, obviously working with a factory that really cares about its employees and treats them well and yeah. pays them well is super important. Um, what I love about working with Italy is like, yes, I, I, I manufacture with this one factory, um, but they're also employing small vendors all over the area to help produce the shoes. So for our kitty loafer, for instance, um, the, the stitching that you see around the front of the loafer, it's called the mm -hmm. apron stitch. That's an, a process that's actually done by hand and it's, it's performed wow. by like a woman and her family at her house. <laughs> they take the, wow. the leather to her and they hand sew that part together and then they bring it back to the factory to like finish the shoe. Um, That's amazing. So there's all these like little kinds of vendors. You know, the heel is made with a different vendor, you know, all within like five minutes of the actual like quote unquote factory that finishes right. the shoe and, and puts it together. Um, That's amazing. But there's all, yeah, it's like a, a real sort of teamwork effort to bring all these vendors together to produce every product. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that's really nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I, I guess like we're just continuing to do things in our own way. And um, I don't know if that really answers your question. No, it does. It actually, I love that you say that because um, I, a lot of people think it's very black and white. It's either like you're 100% sustainable in whatever. And like you said, it's like a hard thing to even describe. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really glad you said it like that because I was trying to communicate this, I guess, through Chevere Min School that like it's not as black and white and there's it's not like you're at a fault if you don't do it a certain way. Mm -hmm. It's all about like the thought put into the process in in whatever way that could be. So I think it's important to support like all kinds of quote unquote sustainable brands because it's it's a hard thing to pinpoint. So yeah, like sometimes I, I get into these conversations where like people are, you know, they they're like it's so hard. And I'm like, it's really not. Like it's just about like learning the story behind the brand and see like just paying attention a little bit more to like who you're supporting but it's not like a black and white decision necessarily right yeah and I guess yeah. you know I can't I can't satisfy everybody's wants and needs for a brand we try to do it in the best way that we can right yeah um well thank you so much um I'm really happy we got to talk you have no idea how big of a fan I am of your shoes so this is really cool to get to learn a little bit more about the story behind how everything started <laughs> oh, th thank you so much for having me Yeah, I'm very excited to share the story and just keep look looking out for more in the spring, in the fall, all of it. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, um, yeah, I appreciate getting the chance to, to chat. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lauren as much as I did. Um, Lauren, thank you for sharing your story and for inspiring so many of us to, you know, take the leap. <laughs> um, if anyone wants to keep up with Labouk, you can follow them on Instagram at Labouk and you can subscribe to this podcast for updates on episodes to come. And you can also keep up with us on Instagram at Chevere School. 